Uh, okay, Eric. I'll humor you. Why have you just handed me a bowl of pudding? <laughs> Look inside the pudding. Okay. No, don't eat it, don't eat it. Just look inside oh. it uh, with uh, your fingers. What's in there? Pudding. There's, there should be a USB key. Oh, I, I see a USB key. You, and you didn't think to mention it when I asked what was in it. What does it say on that USB key? Uh, I, it, I, I can't read it. It's covered in pudding. Let me just... It says proof. Absolute proof. Absolute. The proof is in the pudding, Jared. Wait, is that the movie that we're watching today? The absolute proof is in the absolute pudding. We're watching the Trump won the election documentary. Is absolute it... proof. What? Today on Banquet at the Flum Dumpster. Is it too late for me to back out of this entire podcast? Just eat your pudding. How drab, how dull critique can be. It's begging and pleading for apathy. The good, the bad, the in-between. And nothing is everyone's cup of tea. No time to waste, there's things to do. But Jared and Eric are happy too. They'll suffer the worst of films for you. So enter the strangest of banquet rooms. Okay, Eric. Asking seriously now. Why, why, why am I watching this movie today? Well, first of all, it was your idea to do a bad movie podcast. <laughs> and second of all, um, the Razzies are coming up, you know, shortly. And we, we, we are going to do a lead up to this year's Razzies with past Razzie's winners, and where better to start than last year's Razzie winner for Best Picture? Best Picture? Best Worst Picture? I forget how they call it. I think it's, I think it's Worst Picture. That makes sense. I, yeah. I, I hope that this is the Best Worst Picture, but I don't think it will be. No, I... At a running time of 120 minutes, <laughs> I don't think there's going to be anything... <laughs> that will make this enjoyable, but we shall see how that goes. Um, for those who don't know what absolute proof is, um, this is the uh, My Pillow CEO Mike Lindell um, going on a you know rant about how Trump won the election by giving some type of proof. Absolute proof. Absolute proof. Like, this This should... We, we already know, coming into this, exactly what the goal of this movie is. It is to present yeah. absolute proof. Like, it is to convince us. Mm -hmm. As... Yeah, like, I don't know if it's meant to convince skeptics or just give proof I, I to people my, who my expectation, already believe it. Yeah, that's my expectation, is that it's it's going to convince... It, this is going to be a movie that's preaching to the choir. I don't think that we're going to walk out of this movie having changed our minds. I think we're going to walk out of this movie thinking that Mike Lindell um, 
has needs help. has some screws loose. Uh, yeah. it, I think uh, I I think that this is going to be a movie that is intended to convince those who are already convinced, and yeah. I don't think that we are going to learn anything. Uh, I I don't know about that. I I do think that we might learn something just about like uh, political filmmaking. I think it's going to be a useful exercise in learning in that sense. Yeah, I think that like like more educational than actually getting something from the movie itself. Yeah, I I think I think that there there is something that needs to be said about how like bad art and art with bad politics. Mm. get conflated a lot of the time as being the same thing. And I think yes. that it is possible, at least in theory, for uh, a film to succeed on its own terms and also have politics that I disagree with or even politics that I think are um, batshit. Uh, <laughs> batshit off the wall, uh, scary conspiratorial nonsense. Um, yeah, well, because this is interesting because, like, this we did watch, of course, uh, our fan favorite episode on Child Bride, um, <laughs> the, uh, which which did purport to have a political message. But uh-huh. I feel like this this is kind of uh, like an interesting form of uh, you know like agitprop. Um, the like for those don't know what agitprop is like the 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 idea of making uh, it's like short for agitational propaganda mm. like making a movie with such a particular and obvious political stance that mm. the whole purpose of it is to propel those ideas and to like vigorously you know compel someone to believe it i think it comes from uh the bolshevik regime of like sending out theater troops to specific communities who like with plays that were just conveying messages that politicians wanted to relate to the masses and that was just like the the plays like were also specific to that period like it was hmm. like an issue that if you watch this movie or that play 10 years later you would be like what 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 is this even about? Like I don't even get what this is an issue. Like, hmm. and I think that that's where this will fall. Is like this is a that, that we're watching this like exactly a year after the January sixth riot. And yeah. while that was like a major historical moment, I feel like this is still gonna feel like okay, we are a year removed from this and it looks even weirder. <laughs> and imagining listening to, like watching this 10 years from now, you'll be like, what? I, I mean, I think that this will look weird to us. I, I think that this would look weird to us even if we watched it exactly a year ago because we are both so far removed from the present day echo chamber of far right politics mm-hmm. that I think that spending time in that is going to feel odd. Like this isn't the first like um like far right propaganda documentary that we've watched. We watched The Red Pill a yeah. couple years ago. 
Uh, but I wouldn't say that's necessarily far right. That's like a group that is often associated with the far right. This mm-hmm. is literally far right politics. I, yeah, I, I think the distinctions are a bit more fuzzy than you're giving them credit for. Um, I, well, but I just I think that there are there are people who would not associate necessarily with the right who would I associate see. with themselves with Mennonism. Like there, okay. there, there is like there may be a very strong intersection between, like, QAnon and the men's right movement, but I don't think it's, like, a full... The Venn diagram is not exactly a circle. Yeah, I can get behind that. Um, We've... But we've, like... We've found some, like, solid Nanar enjoyment out of these documentaries, but that was before the 2016 election. Like, that pre-2016, pre we watched a, a documentary called The 12 Biggest Lies yes. uh, that I think you oh. found as a DVD just, like, sitting on a counter at your work because yeah. nobody wanted it. And yeah. somebody, like, <laughs> found it, I think, in, like, uh, a box of movies that were meant to be thrown out. And rather yeah. than throwing it out, they put it on the counter, and we were graced with that beautiful yeah and we found that movie hilarious because it was like so transparently propaganda and it was so transparently just like logically flawed and the lies that it was uh telling us about were things like men and women are equal as as if that's a lie and like weird 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 stuff like that in 2015 that was funny. Yeah. I don't think that that would be funny now. I think that if we revisited the 12 biggest lies, I think that knowing the way that, like, knowing the direction that the world at large has gone in, I don't think that we would be able to get the same kind of Nanar enjoyment out of it because things outside are just a good deal darker at the moment. I I think that there there is something to that. There's still something though about the presentation of a movie uh, or like a documentary with uh, implicit bias mm-hmm. that can be funny. Like the 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 big thing that I remember about the Twelve Biggest Lies was the um, aggressive use of bizarre stock photos (laughs) which i think you'll still get some comedy out of even if it isn't the like there are still parts of it where you'd be like but i think there's there's still something about um watching somebody trying to make a point with ridiculous stock images that will always be funny like and if that's what this is i still think i'll i'll find that funny even while the politics is scaring me i'll be like yeah but stock photos (laughs) (laughs) like if if you're trying to convince me and then you just have like images of the sun and you know flowers and a kid swinging and you're going like this is what the democrats want to destroy i'm still gonna (laughs) i might still laugh at that i don't know though i don't know where i'm at um it's been uh 
interesting five years for sure. <laughs> uh, before we before we begin with the movie, because we're doing this for uh, Razzie's uh, yeah, a kind of like a Razzie's arc. Uh, I thought it might be fun to list off the movies that this beat for. Oh yeah. Uh, for the 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 worst picture, I did look it no, up. Like it is the what, worst picture. What lost out on the worst picture because this one? Yes. Uh, three hundred and sixty-five days. We watched that, which one, we yeah. saw. Uh, Awful. It, we hated it. Um, do little. We haven't seen that one yet. No, I haven't seen that one either. Uh, yeah. Fantasy Island. I don't even think I've heard of that one. That's the one with Anne Hathaway, um, and uh, I think it's like a mystery. I don't remember much about it. It just looked kind of meh, if I remember correctly. I think it was a Bloomhouse production. Huh. Uh, and, uh, and Sia's film Music. Right. Yeah. 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 I think that's yeah. the, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's, um, yeah. Yeah. I was wrong. I also had the wrong, it's not Anne Hathaway in Fantasy Island. Sorry, Anne Hathaway. You shouldn't have been mentioned this episode. Um, and uh, Mike Lindell also won the award for Worst Actor beating out uh, David Spade from The Wrong Missy. Oh. Which we watched yeah. two episodes ago. Yeah, that was... Um, we we will be able to actually discuss if that was deserved, because... Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't think David Spade was that especially bad. It no, was it just wasn't. The movie. It was just It was just the movie that was bad, yeah. yeah. I, I also, like... It it's a it's a weird point of comparison. Uh, we'll talk it's so about hard. this. We'll talk about this when we talk about uh, the the Razzie uh, nominations for this year in their own episode. But I think that there's something to be said about how uh, a documentary actor is not acting in the same way that a fiction actor is. And no, there's a, this is also the same year that. Rudy Giuliani won Worst Supporting Actor for being recorded on a hidden camera for the Borat movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, or, so, no, it, it, uh, Worst Screen Combo, Rudy Giuliani and His Pants Zipper. He didn't win. I thought he won two, Razzie. I, I might have that wrong. Uh... He didn't win Worst Supporting Actor, too? Oh, you're right. Yeah. He did win both Worst Screen Combo and Worst Supporting Actor. Yeah, and that's where it's like, if you can win this award for a movie that you don't even want to be in... For a movie that you didn't even know you were in at the time of recording. Yeah, it's, it's a little dubious. Because <laughs> um, I, I think that there are other times where people have won for movies that they regret being in. Mm -hmm. But that is slightly different. Yeah, at least they made a choice to sign up to Geely. Yeah. And be in Geely. And got money. 
to be Which in Geely. I, I don't think Rudy Giuliani got paid to be in Borat. No. Um, um, but I think that we've talked about this enough. I think it might be time to stop procrastinating and go watch Absolute Proof. I guess so. Um, I'm not even going to give a spoiler warning because we are fully Please embodying the yeah. we are watching this so you don't have to in this episode. So, yeah. uh, no spoilers. We'll follow this musical interlude because you're never going to watch Absolute Proof. You're never going to do it. Please don't. Please don't do that to yourself. Enjoy our intermission song. Remain on the edge of your seat in a moment. Your hosts will return with the fruits of their suffering. Every last thought that is currently buffering too. The time has arrived. Their opinions will now debut. So we're, we're a pretty small podcast and uh, we don't take big corporate sponsorships of any kind. Um, so uh-huh. you can you can know that this is not endorsed in any way by any product. But is there a Febreze for the soul? Because I think I need that after watching this. Wow. <laughs> wow. 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 Oh my. Oh my gosh! This movie. Wow. wow. Are we starting? That's, are we are we still doing the Mike Lindell wow, or have we transitioned into Owen Wilson? I can't tell. I, I want Owen Wilson associated with this movie. Let's try <laughs> to stick to Mike Lindell. Okay, this, 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 this quote unquote documentary is a train wreck. Okay, actually, I, yeah, that's that's a good place to start. That's a good place to start. Um, <laughs> does this? even qualify as a movie okay i think this was met like this should have been a podcast and i don't (laughs) mean that as any disrespect to podcasts we are doing a podcast this like the only reason the only reason to show this as a movie is if you had a lot of evidence to show (laughs) they did not they did not they just like, other than showing us charts and someone quickly scrolling through <laughs> spreadsheets and some weird video of pins on a map and lines that increased as the night went on or something, okay. Um, those, those were, I guess, why it was a movie, quote-unquote. Well, um, I mean, like, structurally, like, aesthetically, like... Like, this did not behave like a movie. This behaved no. like a, a, a overlong series of interviews. Well, like, it's, it, 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 was, it was like a special. So, like, two years ago, I did a four-hour-long live stream. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. my company produced that, and I was, the, like, one of the directors of it. And we did, like, a four-hour-long live stream, which was a series of interviews. So I know exactly how this kind of program should work that and, was not it and when you when you conducted these interviews eric did you uh stream any of the interviews by connecting skype up to a television and then pointing a camera at that television 
and then streaming the camera recording the television as you adjusted the volume. <laughs> yeah. No. No. We also didn't have the host looking off to the side while somebody was talking on the phone as if <laughs> as if she was in the room. Like, we were really like, he starts and he's like, okay, we have Mary here with us. Mary, tell us what you have. And he starts looking beside him and there's nobody there. And I'm like, is, is Mary? Do you see Mary? Is Mary there with you? And then... You see that he's put a phone on the table. <laughs> that there's a phone on the table that he's talking. Like, and I'm like, okay, that's where we're at. And she, I think, like, I think there is something to be said about how in in part one I talked about how you know, uh, I did not expect this to be a a movie that would convince me as someone who did not already believe this right yeah i expected this to be a movie that preached to the choir i feel like what i just watched was so completely unhinged that yes. if i did believe that the election was stolen walking into it i would not be still believe that by the end yeah i would feel kind of ashamed for having associated myself with these people. Um, I think there's also something to be said about how unbelievably boring this movie is. Yeah. Like yeah, this, it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult to watch. And I, I can't help but suspect as though that's kind of part of the point here. Like it feels like the, the thing that's going on is that, this movie is meant to be as boring as possible, but make really big claims and promise to deliver on those claims later in the two-hour runtime so that you start watching it, fall asleep, wake up at the end where he says, well, that was my absolute proof. Uh, yeah. And then... And go, there must have been something in between. There must have been something that I missed. Yeah. I and and like the claims themselves are really really thin. I don't think that we should spend any time on this episode talking about any of the specific claims partly no. because there are people who out there who are far more experienced than we are who have already disproven most of these, I'm sure. Yes. And also partly because a lot like it, a lot of the strategy that's being used here is delivering a lot of sweeping statements that each requires like 10 times as much time to disprove as it takes to make the claim. And they deliver like five of these per minute. Yeah, I, I love when there was one guy who was like, people are going to say that it's a conspiracy theory. As if they're like hedging off what they think people are going to say about it, like that they're they're like they're it, like proactively um, like confronting what people are going to say about it. But if you agree with what they're saying, even if you agree with it, uh -huh. what they're literally saying is a theory 
that there's a huge conspiracy hiding the results of the election. That is, like, you may not like the term conspiracy theory, but when it's exactly what you're putting out into the world, you should be honest about what it is. Like, And they keep claiming that they have evidence, and they keep... They keep saying, like, oh, I, I found this piece of evidence, and it was so shocking. It was so shocking. I was shocked when I saw it. Not only was it shocking, it was right. Not only was it right, it was horrifying. And they don't actually tell me what the evidence is. Yeah, so, and, and Michael will go, so you, you have this evidence. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? He has evidence. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Oh, thank you. <laughs> and that's like that, you know, that is why time seemed to stop in this movie. <laughs> because you know when particles stop to move, stop moving? Mm-hmm. Absolute zero, which is exactly the amount of absolute proof we got in this documentary. Wow. 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 That's a science joke for <laughs> science people. You know, the people who watch this documentary and who are in it, those science people. Um, uh, let's... But no, it feels, it feels like they were reading from a script that was written by like a first year university no, student no, who I, no, didn't do no, any research this, this was, this and was, wrote it the night before while drunk. You're, you're, like... giving them, you're giving them too much credit. This was all stream of consciousness and all of them were drunk. <laughs> uh, to, to clarify, like a, a part of the reason why I'm skeptical of whether or not I can even call this, you know, a movie, is that a, a typical documentary it will structure its ideas and its evidence into some kind of narrative. It'll it'll ultimately at the end of the day, most documentaries, not even good documentaries, most documentaries will tell a story. Of some kind, even the uh, the like shitty far right documentaries that we were talking about in the first half of this episode, they all yeah. tell a story. Yeah, like the red pill. Hillary's tells... America tells a story of mm-hmm. what would happen if Hillary won the election. Yeah, that's it's very clear. That is the point of that documentary. There is no structure to absolute no. proof. There, it's it's got a very fly by the seat of your pants kind of feel to it. Uh, a lot of, like, uh, stream of consciousness was the word that I used earlier. It's, like, also, the closest the thing that it has... The constantly cut off people. <laughs> the closest like... thing that it has to a structure is a series of interviews um, that Mike Lindell conducts over Zoom or over Skype or... Uh, occasionally in person. Occasionally in person or uh, with a telephone that he yeah. has sitting right next to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then he just asks these people leading questions and then after any, like, keyword, he just says... Wow. In or, a way that... D- did you hear that? that? <laughs> but I want to talk about his wows because yeah. we've made fun of them a number of times already and I want to explain why because I want to make sure that nobody ever feels compelled to watch this movie because it is the least worth it out of everything that we've watched so far. Um, yeah. These wows, they give a sense of 
being both like vaguely interested in what the person is saying, but also give me the sense that Mike Lindell was not actually paying attention. Yeah. It's that it's that kind of it's that kind of intonation to his voice. Well, it's part of that though is because he was asking leading questions. He knew <laughs> what answer he wanted to wow to. And I think that what's what's so interesting is how so he is on the screen for 90 like 99% of this movie, mm-hmm. the other 1% being bad stock images. <laughs> um <laughs> But this is a text that is just shamelessly his opinion. And there are so many times where he will, like, talk about how he was banned from Twitter. And how Mm -hmm. people have tried to shut him up. And this is just all... Like, he wants to make this all about him. And I, to be honest, I don't know a lot about this man. I, I have not great familiarity with where where he's come from and like his background other than i assume pillows probably a republican (laughs) um i know that he uh he invented the my pillow that's what he's known for he's the ceo of the my pillow company is that so that's just a i it's just a company that makes pillows right so it's i think it's a, a a specific type of pillow that's meant to help you sleep better ergonomic pillow i'm not sure exactly um but i think it is kind of ironic that you know someone who made a a living as a pillow inventor can suddenly (laughs) become invested in giving people nightmares oh i thought you were going to say that somebody uh who started out as a pillow inventor made a movie that would be so effective at putting someone to sleep that too (laughs) but no no i think it's just interesting he's like he invented a pillow that one that he is like you'll sleep better and now here's my documentary that will give you nightmares about the deep state invading your home (laughs) and this is this is this is like if jerry seinfeld made a documentary advocating for the extinction of bees (laughs) like you made bee movie that's why people like bees jerry what are you doing with your life you had a clear career change. <laughs> like, it's just, it's baffling to me where this comes from, where it's like, I, I and I think it's, it's amazing that on the website um, where you could watch this movie, it said um, CEO Mike Lindell spent millions on this documentary. You need to watch this. Really? This documentary cost millions. Not not millions. Millions is what it says on the website. This he documentary looks millions like millions on it. Did he spend those millions hiring an intern to falsify those Excel spreadsheets? Like I, what I have costs to assume millions. About I have to this? assume that he's including um, any future settlements of lawsuits. That will come from this this documentary because those would maybe be in the millions. <laughs> because I think what's very revealing too is uh, that the the disclaimer that aired before this movie and this is real. Sorry, um, a disclaimer. A disclaimer because this aired on One American News Network. Okay. Um, which great. Um. Mm-hmm. And it says, 
Michael James Lindell has purchased the airtime for the broadcast of this program on One American News Network. Mr. Lindell is the sole author and executive producer of this program and is solely and exclusively responsible for its content. The topic of this broadcast is the 2020 election. OAN has undertaken its own reporting on this topic. This program is not the product of OAN's reporting. <laughs> the views, opinions, and claims expressed in this program by Mr. Liddell and other guests, presenters, producers, or advertisers are theirs and theirs alone and are not adopted or endorsed by OAN or its owners. And then it's, it goes on to say, like, in particular, OAN does not adopt or endorse any statements or opinions in this program regarding the following entities or people. U.S. Dominion, Inc. is the first one there. And I'm like... They are. They know. They watch this, and they're like, "Yep, Dominion is going to sue him. We do not want to get sued. We need to make a disclaimer before this thing that we have allowed to be put on our network." Like, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. I, like this. This is just. This would be like HBO going on before John Oliver and being <laughs> like, "We we don't endorse anything that this like." British lunatic is going to say for the next half hour. Like, it's... <laughs> I, I just don't understand. Like, even even for the people who don't agree, with, like, or who do agree with the politics of this, I don't know how you could, as this movie wants you to, share this with everyone you know. I like, was trying to imagine while watching this... Like, uh, 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 I don't have any Trump supporting family members myself, but I was trying to imagine like a, 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 like the quintessential Trump supporter uncle sitting his entire extended family down and going like, look, no, you need to watch this. This is going to change your mind. This is, you're going to see the proof. You're going to see the proof. The proof is in the pudding. You're going to see the proof. Just watch this for two hours and you will see the proof. And I, I, I feel very sorry for everybody in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. No, you feel sad. Not necessarily for the people who did this, because anybody who is involved in this program, I don't feel sad for. You are perpetuating what is very... What you, I'm pretty sure, know is untrue. Like, <laughs> I, I, like I think that that's... There's just... I'm not going to feel sorry for you. Maybe there was one person there... Who genuinely believes it and has just been duped, but like, I that might be Mike Lindell. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm inclined to disagree. I watch this and I feel sad for Mike Lindell. That's the thing. This, I think like, he might be the only one who actually believes what I, that whole I, program said. I'm not sure if he believes anything. Like any, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if he believes anything um because he he comes out of this movie looking so unhinged and yeah it like i feel a level of secondhand embarrassment for mr lindell on such a level that even though I know that the intentions behind this movie were incredibly malicious, I feel an enormous amount of sympathy for everyone involved because I cannot imagine having my name on this. Yeah. Like, I, I just feel sorry 
for everyone. I genuinely do. I think they're nuts. I think that, like, their politics are dangerous and scary, but I feel sorry for them. Now, does, um, does the fact that he made a second documentary called Absolute Interference three months later that is also two hours long change that at all? You're making that up. Nope. No, he aired another one. Does that does that change every anything? Um, uh, depends. Do I have to watch it? If you say that it doesn't change anything, then yes, because I need to change your mind about feeling bad for Michael <laughs> Dell. <laughs> because, like, yeah, you can feel bad for him, but once he does it again, you have to be like, no. No, I, I'm putting my foot down. I I wonder what goes through somebody's head to make them think that this is a worthwhile thing to put out into the world. Like, I I cannot tell if it is something as simple as just expecting that, like, trying to you know, con your audience into believing a thing that obviously isn't true and having so little respect for your audience's intelligence that you just don't put any work into the product whatsoever. Or I cannot tell if this is just an individual who ingested an enormous amount of lead as a child and just does not have the emotional intelligence to realize that what he is saying sounds bonkers. I mean, I, I think that from his perspective, like the, the, when I, when I was thinking about, okay, why is this documentary? Why does it exist? Uh-huh. I have to think that, um, and this is why I don't feel sorry for him is that I think that he has, uh, you know, had a lot of conversations with Donald Trump. Uh-huh. I think that there is genuinely a desire for people to to have him do a 2024 run. And mm-hmm. the, this is his way to maintain the conversation, to keep up the idea that, okay, he should still be president. Therefore, he he can still be a part of our politics. Because as soon as like he loses even like as soon as the networks aren't talking about it as soon as these movies aren't being made like he's like Donald Trump becomes the target whereas right now we're all talking about Mike Lindell we're saying he's the one spreading these lies huh. but you know I think that's where it comes as like uh there there has to be some kind of deal there whether the deal is just hey Mike I'm gonna I'm gonna have you do this? Is that cool? And he goes, oh, yes, Mr. Real President. I would love to do that for you. Now, let me just check my bank account to make sure I have enough to pay for the lawsuit. Um, (laughs) And I think that there's, like, there has to be something there. That's where I would feel bad for him, is if he is being just, like, outright manipulated into doing this Mm. by Donald Trump. But, like, with some promise of, when I become president again, this is what I'll give you. Mm. Um, that's a little sad. Um, again, though, I, I, don't, I don't feel sympathy for this guy. I just, 
I, I think that he is, he might, like, the only time I would is if, as I suspect, he is the only one who actually believes this. Like, if he has been, been shown exclusively the evidence that he has presented to us, and has therefore come to the conclusion that he has to be right. I mean, okay, th- there was, like, like, you, you, you do have a point. There was, like, a, a, a genuine, uh, uh, chilling, uh, attempt to legitimately overturn the election of, uh, the 2020 American election so that Donald Trump would win. Um, and this is a part of that. Uh, and it is dangerous and it is scary and I don't have sympathy for it in that sense, but it's also just so embarrassing to watch Mm. that, like, I, I cannot help but feel bad for everyone involved like good art can still come out of scary politics like movies like triumph of the will exist right i think there's yeah, and there's there's a whole thing where with with nazi germany goebbels um commissioned propaganda from established filmmakers and he even was like we need to film stuff in color because mm-hmm. that's going to be the future is, is color filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And he, it's, he was ahead of his time on that, where it's like he went the extra mile to put money into making what we now see as like historical records of like just a terrible time in history. But yeah. that wasn't his goal, obviously. But this isn't that. There's no, no artistry behind this. There's no attempt to be ahead of the time this is like everything else about donald trump's presidency and everything else about the attempted coup that he did a year ago clumsy and embarrassing and awkward and just so surreal that it becomes even more scary because of how kind of funny it is and I, I think that, like, part of why, part of why there is not a present push among the uh, extreme right towards the kinds of, like, the level of artistry that we saw in Nazi Germany mm-hmm. is because art as a life career slash ambition slash anything has been consistently devalued over the course of the past couple of decades. Yes. Yeah. And the, the exception of course being Hollywood, which is of course full of liberal elites. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so I, I think that like, because ideologically speaking pursuing creative talents has 
from that position, political, from that political stance being framed for so long as unrealistic, as just a hobby, as etc., that side of the discourse does not have a lot of good artists right now. Mm-hmm. And no, I, I wonder I wonder if that's part of the reason why when they try to attempt a, an extreme propaganda move like this, it comes out looking so viscerally embarrassing to the point that I still... Even if it means I'm going to have to watch another two hours of this, feel genuinely sorry for everybody involved. So and I, I don't I, think that another two hours is going to change my mind. My um, my one one counterpoint to that would be that um, there there is still um, some artists on that side who will make movies. They just won't make this type of movie because, uh, for example, Clint Eastwood and Mel Gibson will both make uh, propaganda style films such mm. as like American Sniper which mm. will or Hacksaw Ridge which will essentially uh, demonstrate you know the American like the importance of Americans uh, going into war and um, American soldiers being in other countries and glorifying the efforts of those you know soldiers and I like I'm not going to come out and say soldiers, like the individual efforts of uh, a soldier in Afghanistan, they are part of a big system Mm -hmm. that is obviously corrupted. But the propaganda, like that movie, what that is basically saying is these people, you know, if you want to be a hero, you can join the military. It's a pro-military film. It is still propagandistic. And those are the types of films that they might want to make. And that will still get funded because, like, the and there are obviously like pro gun elements to something like American Sniper, where it's like, wh- how did this guy become a hero? Well, he was an excellent marksman. If you get a gun, maybe you can become an excellent marksman. Like, what what is what is the the political stance that is taking? I think it's quite clear, you know. But. Filmmakers like Clint Eastwood are also established within Hollywood. My question is, have there been any new conservative or far-right filmmakers that have, like, genuine talent that have arisen within the past, say, 10 to 20 years? Well... I I mean, I think that you you may be uh, forgetting about the God's Not Dead trilogy, because whew, masterpieces. Oh, but no, well, it, like yeah. I th- I do think that um, the the presence of someone like a Clint Eastwood um, does demonstrate at the very least that there is funding mm-hmm. um, for if there were artists. So that's where I think that it's it's less about necessarily the the s- systems not being in place to fund these types of movies i think uh you know lar- there are there is the money for something like that and there is for example that one that we watched i think it was called i am not afraid 
the one about mm. the Columbine shooting. Um, oh, yes. Yes, I vaguely remember that one. Yeah. I, I think it was I'm Not Ashamed. Was it I'm Not Ashamed? I'm Not Ashamed, yes. Yeah. Uh, and I, so there's something like that, which, you know, like, is obviously, you know, designed as propaganda for, um, you know, Christian groups and for people who, like, want to demonstrate the absolute hatred shown towards mm-hmm. Christian groups. Um, I think that that, that that segment does still exist. And, you know, the fact when there's money being sent to those types of productions, chances are you will get talent behind the scenes who will at least participate. Because, like, you don't necessarily need to talk about a director or, you know, a major writer um, you need to just ha- you need to have across the board. Like if this had an excellent cinematographer there, hmm. obviously wasn't there. A great <laughs> editor who wouldn't cut off the ends of people's sentences, like mm-hmm. and wasn't just the director's son or mm-hmm. they had the same last name. I don't know how they're related. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, but I'm gonna guess that they might be. Um, that's like th- those types of elements. If you have those, you can at least make a good movie and you might be able to hire a competent director. You may be able to get Eric Roberts for $250 (laughs) to be in your movie. Like, that's that's the thing. Like, you can put together a movie. It's just that I think something like this is so... The the effort to make this, I think, current Mm -hmm. and to make this specifically from the perspective of Mike Lindell is what brought it down to what we saw was that he wasn't willing to bring in anybody else. Who knows? Maybe he wanted to get Clint Eastwood to direct this. (laughs) Maybe that was, he had millions to spend and that was going to be all getting Clint Eastwood to direct this amazing documentary about how the election was stolen. And maybe Clint Eastwood said, I'm not even that crazy. <laughs> um, but what if there's a real conspiracy going on here? Mm. What if the election actually was stolen from Donald J. Trump? Because okay. if you think about it, none of the powers that be would want him to actually be president. He's so unstable and so unpredictable, it's bad for everyone. So what if there was an actual conspiracy to prevent him from being reelected and to solidify the collective disbelief in that conspiracy? They made the face of the truth someone so bizarre (laughs) and hired him to make a movie so unwatchable that nobody would ever believe anything that he said. And it would discredit the entire suspicion that there was some fraud going on. 
What if Mike Lindell was right all along and this documentary was all part of the plan? So he's actually laying out all of the correct information. Yeah. He has all of the correct information. All of those Excel spreadsheets that I look at and think, like, you could have made that 10 minutes ago, totally real. All of those, like, screenshots from the voting machines about how they could have been connected to the internet. Not not proving that they just were. Stra- that was but just like, straight from the government's office. That yeah, was, that, that was yeah. totally legit. All He's ev- deep undercover. No, oh, not like even this. deep undercover. He, he genuinely believes this stuff, but he is a pawn. He's a pawn in a much larger game, and he's actually working for the other side, and he doesn't even know it because he is just so gung-ho about his own ideas, he doesn't even realize how ridiculous they sound because he was hired to be the face of this specifically because he makes all of it sound ridiculous. Okay. Um, I now think the we need a disclaimer question, before this episode. <laughs> now the follow-up question to that is that a dangerous thing to say and put publicly on the internet? <laughs> Should I cut this out in editing? I mean, I think we need to just need a disclaimer before just to clarify. Um, Should, is the <laughs> disclaimer... Uh, what is the disclaimer? Banquet at the Flum Dumpster has... was paid to give airtime <laughs> to this episode. None of the opinions in this episode reflect... The beliefs of Banquet at the Flum Dumpster. <laughs> Banquet at the Flum Dumpster conducted its own screening of Absolute Proof and has done its own recording on it. <laughs> this is not consistent with the opinions. <laughs> After watching that quote-unquote documentary. Yes, that would be the disclaimer. Oh my god. Uh, genuine question, should I cut that out in editing? No, I think it's good. Okay, good. Um... I do, I do also want to leave you with this, this bit of information. Um, you see, I've written on this piece of paper, um, there are 10,000 dinosaurs living in Ottawa. Now, <laughs> it is, I, you can see here, I've written it on this piece of paper, and therefore, it is proof. It is absolute <laughs> proof that there are 10,000 secret dinosaurs living in Ottawa. <laughs> I, I like I guess there is a uh, potential for like some kind of genuinely maybe not good but you know interesting movie here behind this conspiracy theory. I just mm-hmm. didn't watch it. Uh like you you can like throw together uh random claims long enough to form something that's compelling to listen to uh but at the end of the day like this this wasn't that because a documentary like this like i remember when that documentary plandemic came out and Mm. people genuinely were sharing that around (laughs) i didn't watch it but it was genuinely shared around and people genuinely got behind it and believed it which means, to some extent, 
its presentation had to have been better than this. Like, it had to have, because there's nobody who would be sharing this around where I feel like that one, I remember somebody sent that to me and was like, you need to see this. I'm not going to say in public who that was, <laughs> but somebody did send it to me and I ignored it. Like, like not even like you need to see this ironically, like you need to see this because it reveals the truth about the plan. No, it was like, it was like, you need to watch this. And I was like, oh, ha, ha, yeah, no, I'm sure it'll be really funny. And there's the, no, what? it's like, you need to watch this. And I'm what? like, yeah, okay, well, okay. What? Again, not going to say who that was, <laughs> but that just says to me, this is somebody who was like, yeah. You must have been convinced about it. And, you know, I'm like, okay. So, do we need to watch that in a later episode? (sighs) Dear listener, if you would like us to watch the documentary Plandemic in a future episode, please tweet at us. If we get... We've been we've been uh, in a bit of a drought of social media interaction lately. So if we get even one tweet about that, we'll do it. No, we get comments, just not on the things that we want, uh, not on our calls to action. Yeah, because you know, this episode, like Absolute Proof, we don't expect you to still be here. <laughs> <laughs> Though if you are still here, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you are looking forward uh, to our little mini arc leading up to the Razzies. Uh, next, this being the first one of that. This being the first one. Uh, in our next episode, we will be watching uh, Geely. We will not be referencing our mini arc of the Razzies in that episode because that was one of the first episodes that we recorded together. Um, this was we recorded this before <laughs> before Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck reignited <gasps> their relationship. That is how long we have been sitting on this. We've been sitting on our episode on Geely for so long, and we keep referencing it in episodes that we've already released because we keep expecting it to be one of the f- next episodes that we put out, and we keep putting it off because we have something to drop next. But yeah. After this episode, definitively, it will be Geely. Finally. Finally. And we'll have and a few more. if you're not hearing this, it means that it has changed and we have edited <laughs> it out. Um, which we have done before. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and Facebook, if you want to, um, at Flum Dumpster or Banquet at the Flum Dumpster on Facebook. Um, if you want to support Mark Zuckerbucks. As Mike Lindell called him. If you would like to support us instead of Mark Zuckerbucks, you can do so uh, with our Patreon. Uh, You can go to uh, patreon.com slash flumdumpster, and you can support us there. We will uh, make sure to be making that worth your while. Uh, If you would like to follow either of us personally... Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jared Aronoff. Uh, and Eric, where can they find you? At Tarquin Alex- at T-A-R-Q Alexandra. <laughs> I actually run that account. I am Tarquin Alexandra, the pop sensation. That actually, on all platforms. That actually makes a lot of sense. I have never seen the two of you together. 
Well, yeah, we it's we 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 travel in different circles. Uh huh. Because we are the same person. I that explains everything. You remember when I said that I was also at that screening of Cats and just hid from you? Yeah. That was me as Tarquin, but I was also at that screening because I was right beside you. So were you doing like a like a? Because I know that I know that you as Tarquin went to see that Cats movie. Um with your own friend uh did you do like a like a classic disney channel original series move where you like archie andrews yeah i went back and forth you went back and forth like put on it like uh like snuck out during a a musical number of cats went ran into the bathroom put on a wig (laughs) ran back into cats sat down next to your friend and was like oh man that bathroom it's really busy right now no, I said, oh my god, why is that guy laughing so much? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I was also, of course, the person who belched. That was also me. That was my third persona just for cats. Eric, how many personas are you? You'll never know. What's your real name? And now, please enjoy my personal musical stylings. And I hope you both. <laughs> if the concept were to exist, that I'm to explain, which it doesn't. In hypothetical terms, every form of art has a bucket, a container to categorize the format and style, the greats and the rotten. The podcast that you've just consumed did the work for you by scraping the bottom. 